Hello, everyone. Today, we are going to talk about how a robot Jesus was created after a sex magic ritual when a minister was told to do so by the ghosts of the Founding Fathers. Yep, you heard it here, folks. You all asked for some odd occult history, and boy, have we got it for you today. And as a reminder, if you don't already know, and as a welcome if you are new, hi, my name is Kate, and this is the New England Gothic. I don't have a ton of chit-chat or anything before we just dive right into this story, but really quick, I just want to thank you all so much. As of right now, we are only 20 plays away from 1,000 listens, which was my first goal. I could seriously cry. I just appreciate you all so, so much, and I'll save my love and blubbering for how much I love you all. I'll save it till the end. So let's let's talk about this story. Like I said, we've got robot Jesus. We've got sex magic. We've got spiritualism. We've got a minister. We've got angry mobs. We've got ghosts of the founding fathers. But in researching this tale that I found recently in a book that I am reading... I realized that the main character is a super cool guy. Finn, really? Of course, my cat has to come in and crinkle wrappers only while I'm recording. He doesn't do it any other time. So like I said, I'm researching this story. I find out this guy was super cool, like a feminist, abolitionist, prison reformer. He was awesome. So while telling this story, I'm just going to call John Murray Spear JMS because there is another John Murray in the story, which we will get to, but JMS, that's our friend. So JMS was born in the city of Boston in 1804, and from a young age, he was a member of the Universalist Church of America. So him and his brother, they were born very poor, and they were made to work from a very young age, so they couldn't go to school like other kids and they were only able to gain their education through going to Sunday school. There's records of various positions being held by Spear and his brother, including working as a shoemaker, and it was said that during his time as a shoemaker, he decides, you know what, I'm going to save up the funds to become a minister. He goes to Roxbury, Massachusetts to study, and by 1830, Spear and his brother, Charles, become ordained ministers and JMS is moved to Barnstable down the Cape to, you know, just start his career as a Universalist minister. He later serves at the Universalist Societies in New Bedford, Mass. from 1835 to 1841, and he also serves in Weymouth between 1841 and 1845. It's the cool shit. I love this. Spear and his brother become abolitionists and prison reformers in Boston during the 1840s, They work alongside really notable people and they become well-known in this world. So him and his brother Charles publish a weekly paper called The Prisoner's Friend and it was meant to humanize the people who were currently on death row. And they also organized the first Universalist Anti-Slavery Convention. So JMS helps to oversee the stretch of the Underground Railroad that runs through Boston. So he's a badass. He's a real ally. He's out there doing the work. But John started to make some enemies. 
John had a part in legally freeing an enslaved woman named Lucy, who was from the South. Traveling through New Bedford, he was able to find the means to legally free her because Massachusetts was a free state, and it pissed a lot of people off. In fact, later on, he was doing a lecture in Portland, Maine about anti-slavery. He was an abolitionist, like we said, and he got the shit beat out of him, and he almost died. Like I said, JMS is a badass. He's a real ally. He's risking his actual life to stand up for what he believes in. He is out there, you know, allies, take notes. This is how you use your privilege. This is how you stand up for your community and protect those who are less privileged than you. He said it is their duty as universalists to fight any form of oppression. All oppression is just done. So even before he moves on, which we will talk about later, to the spiritualism movement, which was known to be full of progressives, socialists, feminists, you know, he's like been this badass guy with these awesome, super advanced views for the time since the beginning. So he's cool. We, we like him. So JMS does eventually realize that the church is actively kind of holding him back from his full potential as an activist. So he also, you know, makes some enemies. He has to step down from certain positions because of the controversy he creates. So he leaves the Universalist Church. And eventually, he finds his way into the now booming at the time spiritualism movement. So many early participants in spiritualism, like I said, were radicals. They were others who were involved in the mid-19th century reform movements. These reformers, like JMS, were uncomfortable with big churches who weren't doing anything to fight slavery, and even less for women's rights. So they all kind of just, you know, flocked together to spiritualism. A lot of really, you know, well-known great minds of the time were known to be spiritualists. Also, I'm going to talk a little bit about spiritualism. It's very interesting to me. Spiritualism has also been said to be really like the forefront of the feminist movement in America. It gave women a voice at a time when, you know, women couldn't have jobs. Women were kind of famous in leading the spiritualist movement as mediums. And, you know, we've got the Fox sisters and all of that. I love this subject. It's so interesting. Maybe I will cover it on another story, but just a quick recap of spiritualism for those who are not familiar at this point it's like the 1830s 40s 50s that's what we're dealing with it's a movement based on the belief that departed souls you know people who have died can interact with the living spiritualists seek to make contact with the dead usually through a medium seances trance work etc etc and the spiritualist movement is also known to be a catalyst for other various physical embodiments of paranormal phenomenon. Think ectoplasm or, you know, table tipping, wrappings, all that type of stuff. So communicating with the dead obviously is not a new concept, but modern spiritualists did point to ancient accounts of spirit contact in the Bible, specifically the visit of Saul, the king of Israel, to the so-called witch of Endor, etc. That was kind of, a lot of them were coming from Christianity and they said, no, 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 it's cool. There's, there's spiritualism in the Bible, okay? We've always been communicating with the dead. So here's the part in the story where JMS officially becomes a spiritualist and the story is about to get way spookier, way cooler, way more mystical. So do you remember when JMS gets beaten almost to death by an angry mob? 
Well, during that time, he is nursed back to health by a friend named Oliver Dennett. But shortly after JMS recovers, Dennett dies. But right after he dies, JMS would start automatic writing, which is, you know, when the hand just starts writing on its own with a mind of its own. And supposedly, these were messages from the spirit world sent to him by his dear old friend, Dennett. Was this possibly brain damage from being beaten to a pulp by an angry mob? Who knows? But the first note that JMS receives instructs him to find a man named David Vining and go help him. So this is a man that JMS has never heard of, never met. And apparently he's a real guy. So JMS is sent by his dead friend to go help people in aid. This guy, David's not the first time this happens. There are multiple sessions of automatic writing, which result in random names being produced. And then JMS goes and heals those people by putting his hands on them. So we're having a Jesus moment. He's going to heal the sick who he's been sent to heal from beyond the grave. Like messages from the beyond the grave are sending him on these little missions to save these random people. Very interesting. But it gets even spookier. So JMS now, he's already been well-known because of his work as an abolitionist and all that. He's a well-known guy. He starts to give lectures in which he allows himself to be taken over as a medium. And he claims these spirits are just taking over him and preaching through him with JMS's body as the vessel. So he attends these seances and he comes to believe that he is not only dealing with spirits from the dead, but electric angels, like beings of like higher beings. Maybe you could consider them similar to angels. He calls them electric angels. Maybe I'm trying to think of something similar. Maybe it's similar to occultists who claim they are communicating with gods or deities or demons or archangels, you know, something like that. So we've got JMS out here on the stage surrendering his body or his vessel, if you will. I just love the idea of this. I don't know why this speaks to me aesthetically. <laughs> if you get it, you get it. So, and he just, you know, gets on stage and starts preaching about enlightenment and a new era coming, talking about how a power would flow directly from heaven and usher in a new age, which is really interesting. Like, what is this power? That's vague enough that maybe he's predicting what was to come. This was very close to the invention of electricity. So just, just keep that in your mind when you listen to this story. Eventually, JMS is really claiming to be constantly taken over by a group of spirits who he calls the Congress, aka the Electrizers or the Electric Angels, whatever. They have many different names. And this group includes... The Founding Fathers, Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, John Quincy Adams, and Benjamin Rush, as well as Spears' namesake, the preacher John Murray, who he's named after, and he even reported to be possessed by, aka spoken through by, that sentence doesn't make any sense, but you all get what I'm saying. He even says Socrates is involved in this little club of spirits. So, Yeah. JMS would claim that the purpose of this group was to bring new technology to mankind so that greater levels of personal and spiritual freedom could be achieved. So now we are in April 1854, 
which he's calling the new era, and they instruct him to construct, instruct him to construct. Words are hard. It is late. I am not good at tasks. <laughs> I procrastinated this. Just wrote this all down. I'm kind of raw dogging it right now, but that's cool because you know what? In the spirit of JMS, he's raw dogging this whole thing. The spirits are guiding him. The spirits are guiding me. Okay. Give me a break. So basically what I'm trying to say is the spirits tell him he's going to invent this new robot Jesus, a mechanical messiah, a new machine that is powered by the spirits of God or God energy. So they're calling it a quote, new motor that would be self-generative, you know, perpetual motion. It would draw upon the magnetic energy of life and nature and it would act like a human body and a living organism. The machine was to be built at High Rock near Lynn, Massachusetts, which was a hub of spiritualism at the time, which is super interesting too, because I've had very many chaotic times in Lynn, Massachusetts. Never once have I driven through Lynn and said, this feels like the hub of spiritualism. No, but at the time it was. So this machine was to be built of zinc and copper, and it cost at the time $2,000. I have not looked up what that is today. You know what? I'm going to pause and I'm going to look it up. Holy shit. That is equivalent to raising $72,000. Okay. So this guy has got a good like Kickstarter going on. So he gets it funded. They crowdsource it and he goes to build. I just lost my page. Hold on, I'm going to leave you all hanging. Okay, yes, he starts to build the Robot Jesus. I'm just going to call it Robot Jesus. Mechanical Messiah sounds sick. It should be like, once again, a metal band or like some sort of band should use that. With no blueprints, just vibes, just like me, vibes from the spirit guides. I'm just kidding. He works on this creation for nine months. He's said to be going into a trance-like state and letting the spirits take over him while he works. So as the months pass, word of this wondrous Jesus machine is getting out there. And, you know, the newspapers are following. He's a well-known guy. Apparently he raised a fuck ton of money for this. So people want to know what's going on. He promises that this device would be heaven's greatest gift to man. A kind of Christ-like telephone from which we might speak to God, or at the very least, it would provide unlimited power to move the world into a new, more perfect state. At the end of nine months of construction, JMS and a new Mary are, you know, they plan to ritualistically birth the machine. So this is where the sex magic comes in. But who is this new Mary going to be? So mind you, this entire time, JMS has been married. He got married when he first started his career as a minister in Barnstable, but we don't know anything about his wife. I can't even find her name. I've only seen in one source that her name was Betsy, but I didn't see a last name, like a maiden name. So his poor wife, Betsy's dealing with all this the whole time in the background. I did hear in one source that he had a ton of kids. Don't have a specific number, just a ton of kids. So imagine you have all these kids and they're like, where's dad? And you have to say, oh, not now, sweetie. He is immaculately conceiving a new robot messiah with a mystery woman. I don't know. It just feels like a weird vibe. 
Anywho, so who's this new Mary going to be? How are they going to pick their new Mary? The newspapers helped JMS search for his new Mary, and they settled on a woman named Samantha Mettler, who was the wife of a Boston doctor and who also happened to be a medium. So just like worked out, you know, she's already, she's down. So she's discovered and is brought into the chambers. So I love the imagery here. Just put on your thinking cap while you're listening. Really try and imagine this scene. I'm going to try and paint it for you as best as I can. JMS wearing a suit of gemstones and metal strips because, you know, that supposedly boosts psychic energy. He's wearing a gemstone suit and he enters a deep trance to create a psychic umbilical link to the creation. So then the next morning at 10 o'clock sharp, Mrs. Mettler is brought into the chamber as well with the machine and she goes into her own trance. And this is witnessed by many people, but soon she is said to experience all the symptoms of labor. It was as if she was undergoing the full gestation of a child all nine months within the matter of hours. And then the mechanism, which was designed to, you know, absorb all of her feminine energy. We've got the masculine energy from JMS in his gem suit. Now we have new Mary's feminine energy. They're trying to combine some like alchemical concepts here with the zinc and copper, you know, as she is moving and writhing in pain and in labor with her mechanical spirit child witnesses observe something extraordinary as reported that evening in the boston's new era newspaper quote the thing moves that day in lynn massachusetts the world was changed a thing made of zinc and copper and magnets and metals and chemicals and spirit energy and sexy dancing i don't know it begins to move it pulsates like a heart Robot Jesus lives. Or does it? The machine never moves again. Sorry to break it to you. And it was concluded that the spirits were actually just conducting experiments at JMS's expense. A few months later, the machine, I'm just calling it the machine now. We have, it's, it's appeal has died for me. It's no longer the mechanical messiah. It's just the machine. The machine is moved to another location where it is destroyed by an angry mob. Womp, womp. However, though, I just want to note because witnesses did claim that for a moment it did move. And for those curious about why it potentially could have moved, let's, um, let's leave the spirit world for a moment and talk about some science. Which, I'm not trying to shit on the spirit world. I love this stuff, obviously. This is why I have this podcast. I'm very open-minded. I'm an open-minded skeptic. But I always like to go through the channels of facts and science and history and sources and real tangible evidence first before we go into, you know what, maybe it was just powered by the ghost of Ben Franklin. Because reality is sometimes even cooler and spookier than the ghostly explanation. But let's note, I keep whacking my microphone. I'm so sorry. Currently experimenting with different microphone setups, and I keep buying new accessories to do this. So if the sound sucks for this one, um, too bad, because it's really late and I need to release this tomorrow. So snooze you lose. Me, I'm, I'm the one losing. Okay, so note. Okay, so this is happening in the 1850s, right? 
How could this mechanical Jesus have moved if it did? In Vermont in 1834, not so not many years before all this, a man named Thomas Davenport invented the first battery-powered electric motor to power a small, I think it was a printing press or a newspaper, newspaper press. So JMS probably heard of Davenport's achievement, but just didn't understand the forces involved. Like I said, electricity seems like this really foreign, magical, mystical thing at the time. It felt like maybe spiritual forces, unseen hand of God, you know, they can't conceptualize electricity the way we do today. So perhaps JMS was, you know, kind of thinking something similar to a battery or electricity. Maybe he could feel that change coming, knowing that someday electricity would change the world and battery power would change the world. And it's also, you know, it could have been nothing more than these, all these metals reacting to each other and creating like a magnetic force or something, you know, but yeah. Also not to mention, isn't there a mysterious artifact somewhere? I definitely saw on a YouTube compilation at four in the morning of a battery, like an ancient battery that they can't explain. That was just some technology lost at some point right? I don't know. We're losing it, folks. It's 7.30. My bedtime's 9 o'clock. I gotta, I gotta get the steam going. Okay, so that's kind of the end of the Mechanical Messiah Robot Jesus era for JMS. But he continues to stay in the world of spiritualism until about a decade before his death. I want to read you a quote from his business cards because they're just, I don't know, I just like love it. John Murray Spear. Guided and assisted by beneficent spirit intelligences, Mr. Spear will examine and prescribe for disease of body and mind, will delineate the character of persons when present or by letter, and indicate their future as impressions are given to him, will sketch the special capacities of a young person's applications to lecture or hold conversations on spiritualism will be welcomed. I don't know how they fit all that on one business card, but they did. So a few years after Robot Jesus, sorry, I just love saying that. I don't know why. So a few years after the Mechanical Messiah debacle, it is now 1857 and he becomes even more controversial at the time. The spirits speaking through him, as always, begin to urge free love as a way to regenerate society. So he's kind of basically putting out the idea of early, like what we probably consider being poly. Today, um, he's putting that idea out there and people are freaking out. So his new program would also replace the institutional sanction of marriage with sexual relations governed entirely by mutual desire and love. What a concept. Imagine two consenting people or more, you know, just people consenting to doing what, whatever they want to do sexually. Crazy. What a concept. This, out of everything he did, this was the most controversial. It's so crazy to me. So he also was pro-birth control and even the women's rights activists were like, whoa, 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 buddy. Like we just want to vote and have a say in owning property. We don't, we don't want any birth control or reproductive freedom. What the fuck are you talking about? So people are freaking out. He even talks about women having control over having relations with their own husbands. Why is why is that a crazy concept? I can't believe how new of a concept consent is. But anyway, that's a rant for another day. These ideas were considered so radical 
that even the spiritualists were were like, no, dude, you're you're too progressive for us. So eventually, his you know free love movement does coincide with the breakup of his marriage from his wife that we know nothing about, which is sad. I want to know. I want to know the woman in the background of this whole thing. He was married for over 30 years and he begins an extramarital relationship with a woman's rights activist, Caroline Hinckley, and they have a son together in 1859. And this was a huge scandal. So they actually go to Europe and he does divorce his wife to legitimize this extramarital son with Hinckley. And yeah, so they live and tour in England between 1863 and 1869. They give lectures, they hold seances, and they do their healing performances together. But they were not really stoked on the British spiritualists who didn't really care about politics. They weren't as interested in activism as American spiritualists. By 1872, JMS claims to have received one final message from the Association of the Electrizers that urge him to retire from his position as a spiritualist minister. And he does, and not much is known about his life after that, and he dies in 1887 in the city of Philadelphia. And that is the story of John Murray Spear and the robot Jesus that was told to him by the ghosts of the founding fathers. Yeah. Right? Doesn't that sound... It sounds like somebody put up a dartboard and said, let's make the wildest historical event. And they just put like random characters on it and they just threw darts and that's what stuck. So obviously this was a lighthearted story. Last week's Jolly Jane was very heavy, heavy hitter of a story, really dark. So I wanted to do something lighter. That's why, you know, I think it's fun actually to have the listeners and followers vote on what they want to hear. I'm not going to promise that I'm going to do that every week, but it's fun. I'll do it here and there. I liked, I liked the idea that, you know, you all kind of picked this. And like I said earlier, we are so close to 1000 listens. You know, we're really growing over here. I don't really have much else for you all this week. I became an aunt this weekend. So everybody put a congratulations out there to my brother and his wife. I was always meant to be the weird, crazy, wacky, witchy aunt. And now I am. I was very lucky to grow up with a witchy, wacky aunt. And it's a role I feel destined to fulfill. So that was very exciting. And only other thing I wanted to add is I promise there are co-hosts coming. I have some great people. We're just waiting for everyone's schedules to line up. Everything's going to be good. Everything's going to be great. I've got the spirit of the founding fathers flowing through me and telling me how to create robot Jesus. We're killing it right now. So as always, this is the New England Gothic. I'm on Instagram, the New England Gothic. You can email me, the New England Gothic at gmail.com. Send me a listener lore. If you have a spooky tale, it does not matter from where it is. I want to hear it. Send it in and we'll read it on the air. What else? I'm on TikTok as Creepy Caitlin. That is Creepy Caitlin, C A I T L I N. And I love you all so much. Like I have said a million times, if you just want to give me five stars, it takes three seconds. It helps the podcast so much. It's an algorithm thing. I don't know how it works. Even better, write a review. Even better than that, share it with your friends. Even better than that, I don't know, send me $100. 
Just kidding. Unless. No, I'm kidding. Anyway, thank you all for listening. Hopefully by the time you hear this, we will have reached our first goal of 1,000 plays. And we are on to the next goal of 5,000? Yeah, I think 5,000 is a good goal. Yeah, we're going to aim for 5,000 next. And I hope everybody has a wonderful week. Again, my name is Kate Ford, and this is the New England Gothic.